Greetings, everyone, and before I begin ranting and raving incoherently, I thought I'd tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need to do it all in one place. And believe me, if I can do it, anybody can do it. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone. And when you host through Anchor, you can distribute your podcast through listening platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and even more. It has everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, it's free. That's right, Anchor is free, and who does not like free? So if you're interested or you want to make your podcast today, download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started. Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another Ludicrous Car Review. You know, there are a few brands, honestly, that have dropped off the radar more than, well, Hyundai. Now, Honda, Hyundai. Yes, I always seem to get the two confused, because to be honest... Even Honda, I really only know them mainly for their power equipment. I do not really know too much about their automobiles all that much. I know a lot, but honestly, it's never been my top priority to know about, well, what's going on at the Honda division, to be honest. But Hyundai is definitely the one that, uh, if Honda's obscure to me, Hyundai is pretty much, well, a ghost. I know they make cars. I know they make a lot of them. I just don't know. Honestly... They just never make anything that really stands out to me. Everything from their passenger vehicles to their trucks have always just kind of been, I don't know, your cheap option for some reason. They honestly, for me, Hyundai has kind of replaced the role that once was held pretty firmly by the now pretty much dead Mitsubishi company, another Japanese automaker, which, while they made some good specialty options like motorcycles and that, they honestly kind of fell into obscurity once again because, well... How many people buy bikes anymore? Harley's kind of finding that out the hard way. Anyways, so what am I going to talk about here today? Well, there is a Honda car coming out. An electric option. That is, um, skating the lines of what I call just flat out weird looking. Now, these cars are going to be pricing out a little high. Um, and they are overall, they don't really offer all that much as far as capabilities i guess i don't know well let's just get into it now so the car we're going to be taking a look at is the hyundai ionic 5 now there have been a lot of very high praise for this vehicle as it came out this year net but um already just getting off the bat just just kind of looking at the car honestly you know what it reminds me of a beetle not a beetle like the car but the, like a beetle like if you look at a beetle like they got that split like thing in them i don't know how to describe it, it just kind of looks weird looking to me especially in certain colors they have this like split down the center of the grill that just looks awkward that being said i am glad they actually have a grill of some sort in this vehicle but there are some interesting design choices to say the least one of these design choices which stick out to me almost instantaneously are the headlights why is that well because honestly i thought the art deco area of the uh well, late 40s and 50s and that, you know, the big glass blocks you always see in old homes like that. I thought it died out years ago, but apparently it has not, as Hyundai has decided to bring these things back. There are big square headlights in the front, and even weirder, like, I don't know, almost pack lamp pixel-looking type things in the back. It is an interesting design choice, and it's even carried through on the side panels. It even looks like it's got like a disco ball interior. I, I don't, I'm not sure what's going on with these. I guess they're trying to look cooler or something, but I mean... I don't know who designed it. I'm not a big fan of them, let's just say. Now, some people might think they're a little retro-ish looking, like, not car, retro car looking, but more just retro, like, I don't know, home design, maybe. And maybe you are interested in them, but to be honest, they look more like, I don't know, light fixtures you see in homes. That being said, 
the overall shape of the car has a lot of sharp lines to it, but it overall don't look horrible. Um, the back end, again, that weird light bar in the back just kind of looks odd, but I would say if you're looking to get something a little bit more futuristic looking, something that kind of stands out a bit more in that sharp design and sharp angles in it, this is definitely more of an electric car for you. It definitely takes all that to um, perhaps a bit of an extreme in some areas to a point where they even run just lines down the door for no real apparent reason, but all that being said, I don't can't really gripe it all too much because, well, I guess it doesn't look horrible. I just don't like the front design. It just looks, I don't know, too blocky to me. So, overall power in that, it's got a um, a little disappointing battery in that. Um, it's got about a 77.4 kilowatt battery package, a smaller 58 kilowatt package. That's not available. I think it's in the EV6 in that, but... Um, it's got a single mower that sends out 225 horsepower and 258 pounds of torque. That enables the car to go 0 to 60 in 7.4 seconds. With cars nowadays and electric vehicles and some maybe causing problems in the situation, which we'll get to later on in the news segment, but um, it's kind of disappointing numbers overall. There is an option for the more powerful, a second motor, uh, see for the all-wheel drive version that has a little bit more kick to it at 320 horsepower and 446 pounds of torque which drops 0 16 0 to 60 to the uh, mid fours but to be honest even that well let's face it it's nothing really all that spectacular not when you have i don't know mustang Machis and teslas going in the easy four seconds in some of the cheaper models it's just not impressive i mean hummers get the new humvee Hummer, Hummer, I don't know what the, the Hummer gets that kind of mileage on or 0 to 60 time. Now, that being said, this is more of just a crossover, so if for a passenger vehicle, I suppose it ain't horrible. So, in the Singer rotary setup, you're going to get about 303 miles of range. In the dual model, the dual motor setup, you're going to be about 256, and this is where the vehicle kind of burns into its first real problems for me. Obviously, the looks aren't they're kind of iffy in some spots and not bad in others. I'm kind of about 50-50 on that. But the real problem comes in with the range. 300 miles nowadays, just it just don't cut it. The problem is, unlike gasoline vehicles, which you can stop at a gas tank and fill it up for 15 minutes, you need that extra range. And if you're not getting an electric car, at least in the 4 or 5s, it's a disappointment. Because let's just face it, you're not going to sit at a charging station for 15 minutes every 10, half to 200 miles just to charge the thing from just lounge around there when people are just pulling up in gas stations and driving off well that is unless you're going to a costco station and you're waiting in line for 15 minutes but that's all besides the point so let's get into a bit more um of the interesting features of this vehicle so overall the car does have its upsides i will say they have drastically improved the charging time quite a bit if the battery is at i believe a peak speed of 235 kilowatts it's enough to bring the battery from 10 percent to 80 percent in just 18 minutes or add another 65 miles in just another five minutes as well so about 20 25 minutes it's not horrible but considering like i said gasoline you could fill up a tank in about i don't know five if you're i don't know cleaning the windows the fact is is that it's still quite a long time to charge it up not nearly as much as a lot of people are making that is so overall it's still disappointing in one major aspect about this so before i go into praising it a little bit in a level two charging station home it still takes six hours and 43 minutes to charge the car overnight that is still a lengthy period of time and if you ever plan on driving it during the day let's face it my family tends to get home around we tend to get around about six 
not six, no, sorry, ten. And we usually wake up at around six in the morning. So, honestly, we would be taking the um, battery charging thing to the absolute limit almost every single day. Honestly, you would do, definitely do a good job of testing the endurance on these things. Now, one thing I do draw into problem is the interior. Now, I don't mind Spartan, but this takes it a little awkward almost. It looks... It follows a retro design interior as well. If you ever owned a 1995 gateway computer, I'd put it on the level of that. Our 2000 gateway computer looks almost exactly like it. The weird speaker box on the side left of the uh, steering wheel, which I'm assuming is an air vent, looks kind of like it. The weird white interior with the just gray steering wheel white dots. It looks like a Windows 95 computer. This is the best way I can say that's all i can say the heads-up monitor is just a square box the side monitor is again just a top mounted square box it's just honestly nothing all that impressive nothing stands out it's nothing really that i don't know amazing the fact is is that interior wise it is all i can say is a disappointment now there are some quirky features in the vehicle because honestly i was going to go into more into the interior but i can't really find much it's just if you want to get an idea of the interior I don't know, look at a Windows 95 computer and imagine that is an interior. That's what it is. That's the best thing I could say for it. Now, it does have some cool features in there. One of the features is being able to, well, turn your driver's seat literally into a, small well, sleeping seat. It has a actual uh, footrest underneath the uh, seat, so that flips out and you can take a nap, I guess, while it's driving around. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> um, it's an interesting choice. I mean, I guess if you want to need leg support... I guess if we're doing long drives, I can actually see the point. We do a lot of them, and I actually like this feature. I want to put it in my car. I'm going to find some way to get some underleg seating in my little Daytona. It's an ingenious little, I don't know, footrest. It's, it's actually not a bad idea. I was going to mock it, but, you know, now that I'm actually looking at it, I could see the comfortability would be spectacular. Anyways, um, exterior-wise, it has no door handles, if you will notice. As you walk up to the vehicle, the uh, door handles, little tiny handles will pop out, just a little lever. You just pull on them, and out come the doors. It is a bit unique, but all the same. Now, one thing I do find odd is the placement of the drive mode system, where it is normally on the floor or the dash or something like that. It is conveniently placed almost weirdly behind the steering wheel now i'm not quite sure if that's been purpose or if you want to quickly change drive modes honestly i don't think it's horrible i just think it's just gonna be awkward for most drivers they can get used to but i can see where maybe it would be an advantage you don't have to look down and look across your steering wheel for going to any kind of screens and that to change the drive mode it's not a horrible idea it's just gonna be something that takes probably a lot of people like getting used to now, as far as the interior goes, like I said, there's not really much else to discuss. I was going to discuss more, but like I said, nothing else I can really think of. Just, yeah, overall, the Onyx 5 is not really my most hated vehicle. It's just an interesting vehicle, to say the least. I like some of the quirky features about it, but now to be honest, where the car begins to lose a little bit of its pizzazz to me, although it had, is where the price comes into play. Now... Overall, it's not a bad competitor for the car, and it's certainly the most expensive option. But it's also not the most cheapest option, especially when compared to not just electric vehicles, just to SUVs in general. So, for the standard range, rear-wheel drive, average-looking one, you're going to look about $39.95 for about forty grand. For the fancier one, the SE model, you're going to be looking at the um, about forty-four. It ain't cheap. 
Um, for the size of the SUV, for the overall build, I'm just not really that, I don't know, pizzazzed about it. There are cool design features. I like the seats. I like the interesting position of the drive mode, which, while some people may hate, I might get used to it and kind of like it. Um, but overall, I can't really say much to it. It's a little disappointing in the interior, a little awkward, actually, at times. And while I can't say, like I said, I despise the vehicle, I'm going to say, honestly, that it's nothing really that impressive. And for... The investment that uh, Hyundai is making into it, I guess it's not a bad start in the electric market, but I don't know, for that price, I can't say there's better options, but I certainly don't think there are worse ones. And if you're willing to bump up the price, I mean, honestly, let's face it, Tesla and Mach-E's are still the best. Well, maybe not Mach-E's, but we'll get into that. Anyways, so overall, the Hyundai Ioniq gets a meh, it's okay, a rating out of well, not bad. Let's face it. Well, it's not the most spectacular showing from Hyundai. Well, it's just about par for the course for Hyundai. So, overall, not a horrible vehicle. Just kind of, you know, there. Anyways, let's get on to the news, shall we? Because honestly, there are lots of it. And lots and lots and lots of it. Because, well, I just talked about Mustang Mach-E's, right? Well, let's kick off the story with that. Ford is recalling another big car, the Mustang Mach-E's. Not only are they recalling up to 50,000 of them, they are going to be stopping all deliveries as well, meaning they can't even sell them. So, Ford is issuing a recall for 48,924 Mustang Mach-E's due to potential power loss, which is initially reported by CNBC. The uh, issue can cause some major problems because while driving down the road, the car can suddenly just decide to, you know... Well, not be a car anymore, just a rolling death trap. The fact is that while there has been no major, like, injuries as far as I could tell, the fact is it still represents a major problem for the Mustang Mach-E, and overall is a bit of a dilemma. Obviously, this is not a, well, huge problem for Ford. I mean, it does affect the reputation of the Mach-E, which in these car brands, as I mentioned, kind of need to have a stellar reputation because they do need to supposedly replace them. Now, if you do happen to own a Mustang Mach-E, you are strongly advised to take it to the dealership or to get the um, over-the-air update done. Like I said, you can do this over-the-air, basically at home, just wait for them to send you the information, or just take it into your dealership and let them handle it. Either way, get in contact with Ford. It would probably pay off. And overall, speaking of the car prices and that, Tesla has once again hiked up the price of their vehicles. The new Model Y has got almost a $3,000 price hike. Anyways, it has got a about almost a $3,000 price hike, almost from $63,000 already up to $66,000. It is a... Well, let's face it, Tesla has been constantly raising the price of their vehicles almost to an extreme level. Honestly, I find it a little bit ridiculous, but the fact is is that people are still buying them, so who am I to judge? Clearly, I'm not the right one to say anything about it. But overall, it's not the worst thing, I guess. I mean, I, I guess if you're making money on it, but let's face it, they're just kind of struggling. Some projections are saying they're going to be cutting almost 10% of their jobs. So, honestly, like I said, while I have my issues with them, I will have to see what happens with this. I'm little on the fence about Tesla. I always will be. Anyways, in other more pressing matters, because I can't end it on a depressing note such as those two things, in the rumor mill for the weir, Dodge had announced that they're going to be working on a small size or mid-size pickup truck. You know, kind of like your Ranger category. Now there's some rumors going on this could be a Dakota, and this cheaper option would kind of fill a small gap in their market. 
But honestly, I'm a little on the fence. I'm not a huge fan of the Ranger, but I could be swayed if the Dakota is something cheap that the average layman could buy, like myself, and honestly still enjoy. It's uh, some rumors going around that it's going to be based on the Dakota pickup truck platform. But again, there's very few going around, and we'll have to actually see what happens in the long run. Hopefully, something pretty dang good. Also, in also very more positive news, the, the bison treatment teased on the 2023 Silverado ZR2 has got some pretty neat pictures about it. I've never been my, well, I don't know, the Bronco, the, 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 it's just never, I don't know, the Silverado has never been my most favorite truck. I find it a little too, I don't know, bulky for my opinion, weird on the front end, but honestly, it might be pretty cool to see a bison version because honestly, the bulky, big front end cars do kind of rep i guess if you've ever seen a bison you might see what i'm talking about big fat front end. anyways it might be an interesting thing to see a zr2 Servi silverado and honestly i'm actually kind of looking forward to it in other news the um 2022 audi r8 v10 performance or we will drive first is um it's kind of on the brink of extinction. Um, there are some rumors going around that these cars are going to be soon biting the dust. And while Audi is looking to refresh the Audi R8, it is pretty much a dying breed at this point. As Audi and more manufacturers begin to look towards electric, the uh, rumor mills are going around that your Audi R8s are probably not going to survive the cut. Not even possibly switching to electric. So, we'll have to see how that ends up. But, um... Honestly, I I don't know. I'm on the fence about like Audis and that. I'm on the fence about a lot of things today. Anyways, um, what do I got another news to do? Oh yeah, this is again rumor mill category stuff, or kind of is, kind of ain't. And it's gonna be the final bit of news. And hopefully, if you are a fan of the Ford Fusion, you might have a glimmer of hope. You see, Ford announced that they're going to be reproducing the Ford Fusion in a remodeled version. Now, there is no promise, though. It's already been much geared towards the Chinese market. But there's no been no confirm nor denial that these cars are going to be heading to the U.S. market. Now, let's face it, the sedan market has pretty much been dominated as far as domestic goes by the Dodge Charger. Because, while well, there is no real other option. Obviously, Chevy still attempts something every now and then. But, let's face it, Dodge still reigns supreme in that category. But, let's face it, this is not a practical nor affordable. I mean, I think my car is practical overall. But, if you're looking for something just a commuter, a fusion like this could definitely come in and might take the U.S. market by storm. It, when it originally came out, it definitely did. Now, these things have a lot more beefier look, a little bit more intimidating from the design pictures that have been coming out. But there's also rumors going on that there's also going to be a station wagon version. But again, all these are, again, rumors. While there is definitely going to be a Ford Fusion, there is no guarantee that it'll hit the U.S. market. And if you're interested in one, who knows? Maybe it will. Honestly, a station wagon version might not actually be bad. It would kind of fit that SUV category, which kind of sedates that, you know, SUV buyer that everybody seems to love. I'm personally still a fan of the sedans, but, you know, I don't make everybody's decisions. Anyways, I suppose I'll cut that off for the news. I still have a lot to go, but most of these are might transform into small reviews and that. I got a lot of cars coming up. I think there's Sequoias coming out and I think a Subaru Ascent, a Mercedes AMG. A lot of interesting cars that I think um, I'll break them down into different categories. Now, what's today's date, people? It is June 17th, which means, as I announced last week, if you missed that episode, I encourage you to go back to it. And coming up, we're going to be having the Ludicrous Car of the Month. 
that's right, people. I am going to be doing the Pontiac Firebird because, in case you didn't hear, I have, well, slightly inherited. Not that my dad's died or anything, but he's passed on his Pontiac Firebird to me and my mom, who is also the co-signer of the vehicle and still wants to own the vehicle partially. Because, let's face it, he's kind of loved it more than anybody. Probably even me. Anyways, so, we are going to be getting this car fixed up and rebuilt. The thing is, I mean, not rebuilt, but getting it running again. It has been a little bit... Not to knock on my dad, but mistreated in that, and she needs a lot of work. So I already have a, well, a, my, why am I losing my train of thought? My brain scrambled. I need to end this quickly. Anyways, so I'm going to be taking into a shop on the 27th to get this thing looked at, and hopefully I will have either good news or tragic news on the vehicle to share with you all in two weeks. Anyways, join me next week for a ludicrous car of the month, the Pontiac Firebirds. And I hope you all have a great day and a wonderful night. Goodbye, and have a great day. Well, I'm really rambling, aren't I? Goodbye.